Keep asking me now. I did it. I did it. Yes. Welcome back to Ravens Recap. The Ravens won. They beat the Washington football team in a pretty convincing 31-17 fashion. And we're here ready to talk about it and go over what went well and what didn't go so well. Let's start off with the offense, guys. You know, you put up 31 points and usually you're like, ah, that's a pretty good performance. But man, Lamar said it best. We left a lot of points out on the field. I mean, yeah, I I think I agree with that. But at the same time, they left way more points out on the field on the Monday night game against the Chiefs. Obviously a much different opponent, but it was still great to see them uh, bounce back in the manner that they did. Yeah, definitely. It It was one of those games where Ravens Nation has gotten a little spoiled. I think we've gotten used to being one of the best teams in the NFL. And when you're one of the best teams in the NFL, you tend to stomp on lesser teams. And uh, the Washington football team is definitely looks like they're going to be one of them this year. Uh, they have a lot of uh, rebuilding that they need to do. Although I'm sure we'll talk about it more when we get to the defense, but they've got some very interesting pieces on offense that gave us uh, some fits. It's great to get the win. It's great to be three and one. It's even a little bit better that the you know the Steelers game had to be postponed. Ravens are a half game behind the Steelers. You know it's it's one of those games where it's it's nice to win, but you just at the same time you really like to see the Ravens start to put some more stuff together because you know like we've been saying for the first couple of weeks they've been good. There's some positive things to take away, but there's also a lot of area for improvement for this team. Yeah, I guess for me guys, the thing that was kind of concerning is that second drive where the Ravens had open wide receivers back to back and Lamar just overthrew the ball. And it was really disappointing. Actually, I'm, I'm sorry. It was the third possession. The second one, that was a quick, quick score after the turnover. But the third possession, you know, right when we were thinking, oh, you got a three and out. Let's see if the Ravens can score quickly and, and really start to dominate. It, they faltered um, and they weren't able to connect and they had to punt the ball away. So I was just like a little disappointed on that because they had back-to-back plays, overthrows, and I know uh, you know Lamar talked about that. And also, I want to talk about the running game. You know, you take out the career-long rush by Lamar Jackson, 50-yard scamper, which was a great play. The running game until the very end wasn't all that great. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying with the overthrows on that drive. I think one way of looking at that say, well, you know, it was early in the game, still getting warmed up, you know, let's find a miss on some of those throws. But the other side of that argument is, you know, the Ravens yet again had a slow start offensively, which really, I think, you know, through four games of the season, uh, the first quarter really hasn't been uh, that big offensively for the Ravens this year. And that's one of many reasons why they lost to the Chiefs because you can't you can't start off slow against the Chiefs. You start off slow against the Chiefs, then you're digging yourself a pretty big hole. So yeah, I, I see what you're saying there, and, and hopefully that's something they can they can work out. Uh, but yeah, the running game is still it's good. I think I think it was good yesterday, but I just don't think the that the running backs are getting enough carries to be effective, in my opinion. Gus Edwards, nine carries, Mark Ingram, eight, J.K. Dobbins, five. You know, I think those guys, I think you got, well, you got to get one of those guys at least into double digits for them to really get going. And 
show what they can do. Yeah, I think a lot of people have been noting that as well, Peter, in that it's this year there hasn't been as much volume for the running backs as there was last year. I mean, obviously with last year's offense, I think it was much more predicated around the run game first. And I think a lot of people, you know, have been wondering what Greg Roman, you know, is is trying to do with this year's offense. It it very clearly is not the same as last year's, which, I mean, we've noted in in the offseason in that, you know, this is an area of growth for the Ravens, right? They needed to be able to branch out because they don't have the same pieces that they had last year. And, you know, they don't want the NFL to have figured them out, right? So they have to adapt as well. But it's, it's something really to... It's going to have to change moving forward. You know, I think the the surprising thing for me is just not only the, you know, the fewer rushing attempts here, but it's also trying to figure out who's the lead back in this offense too. You know, obviously it was going to have to be a running back by committee approach because we just have so many good backs. But um, it's from like a game flow perspective, I think it's a little bit difficult to know how the Ravens want to approach their offense. Ingram has a few carries, but honestly, he's been used fairly sparingly. He's not even that active in the passing game. Edwards, I think, probably has had the most success out of all the running backs so far, but like we've said, he's primarily a closer. Uh, Although, I will say uh, for this game against the uh, Washington football team, uh, he definitely had a number of carries in the second and third quarter, remarkably earlier, I think, than when he usually comes in. Uh, was, it was actually Dobbins who took most of the load in the fourth quarter. But yeah, it's um, I don't know. I, I really don't know what exactly the identity of this offense is. It, it, it's a little bit unclear to me. And, you know, I, I know Roman has got to be figuring out what exactly he wants to do. You know, I'm sure some of it is sort of experimentation. He wants to see what some of these younger guys can do. But, you know, you have to think that I would basically think like if the offense continues to perform like this, there would be a lot more closer games than I think most of us would expect. Yeah, so I was just looking at the stat line right now, and you had Lamar Jackson with the seven attempts, 53 yards. Well, he said one of them was 50. So effectively, he wasn't getting many yards on his scrambles. And I definitely noticed that. I want to talk a little bit more about that. You got Gus Edwards. He had the most carries with nine for 38 yards. Mark Ingram right behind him, eight for 34. And then Dobbins... He got a lot of bad touches, five for 16 with one of them, the long being 14. So a lot of them were like kind of garbage otherwise. Like one time he got thrown down, like he kind of hurled and got thrown down, like flipped over weird. And then the other one was that weird pitch out that could have been a disaster. Yeah, just a lot of weird, weird stuff for Dobbins. Felt bad. Like, <laughs> you know, he, everyone knows he's like a little bit of my darling right now. And I want to see him in better situations than he's getting into. It's just not happening. Some of the play designs that he found himself in are resulting in... <laughs> Not not great outlooks. Yeah. Well, actually, I have, I have another thought on that, too. I feel like this game in particular made me more cognizant of how sometimes it's not always the play design. It, it could be what the running back is actually trying to do on the play. So I noticed in, in the fourth quarter, there were a handful of these, and I think one in particular, where Fluker got uh, called for a holding penalty because Dobbins wanted to bounce it outside and trying to get around everybody. But I believe the call was probably for him to do an off tackle run or to do like more of an inside run um and because Dobbins is like you know maybe he's not comfortable enough with it or maybe because he saw an opportunity outside he bounced it out but the O-line didn't expect it (laughs) so it's really like you can't say that it was the play design fault because you know the guys weren't expecting him to bounce it outside you know but um it kind of reminded me back to you know some of the Ray Rice days of you know because he 
he did some similar things, right? He he was that dynamic of a player. And, uh, you know, I feel like back then I didn't realize that. I was like, well, okay, wait a minute. That may have been Rice's fault because the O-line wasn't expecting him to do that. So I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I, I think there's some growing pains going on, not just with Dobbin, but um, maybe his grasp of the offense, it seems like, is a little slower than we were expecting. I think maybe the coaching staff is having difficulty figuring out exactly how to use this guy as well. I think, you know, we're using the baseball analogy with Ingram and Gus as Ingram's the, the starter and Gus the closer and, and Dobbins is the hotshot high price tag prospect who everyone's enamored with what he's doing with the radar gun and his uh, his plus pitches, but you're not quite sure yet how he fits in the rotation. What's he going to be? You know, a starter, a long reliever, you don't really know yet. But I mean, I think at the same time, it's still only this guy's fourth NFL game in a season where, you know, there wasn't the usual mini camps and training camps that you have or even preseason. I think, you know, you look at a guy like Dobbins and, and Queen, who I'm, I know from our uh, text chat we're going to talk about later. And I think there's, you know, as fans, we got to be a little more patient than we would usually be with these guys because they're being asked to adapt to the NFL game like no other draft class has been asked to before, really. That's definitely true. And I'm excited to do our, you know, bi-week episode where we have a chance to really sit back and look at these rookies and see what uh, contributions they've been able to make and their growth. I know that Justin Jefferson for the Vikings is talking about how he just finished his preseason. Everyone's like, oh, man, you had two really good back-to-back games. He's like, well, I just finished preseason. (laughs) You know, I didn't get a preseason. Like, these four games were my preseason. So thank you for uh, letting me warm up, and now I'm ready to go. And uh, the Ravens are definitely, while we're seeing these contributions, like, you know, Prochet looks really excellent as a punt returner. You know, I I saw that kind of dangerous catch off the the bounces of the ball. But, man, he saw a seam, and he went after it, and he got a a good handful of yards. And I think, you know, one more block, and he might have been gone. You know, we've been talking about Duvernay for the last few shows, how he's looked really excellent. And we'll get to talk about Queen and, and, and some of the other players. So overall, like, the rookies are doing well, given the circumstance. It's just, uh, I think you put it really well, Peter. I like the analogy, because you I know you held it for the show. Dobbins really is that star prospect, and you want to bring him up to the minors. Uh, but, you know, what do you do? <laughs> How does it work? Particularly when you have established people. One thing I wanted to talk about when it came to Lamar Jackson in the run game is it certainly seemed, and I think it's a credit to their uh, front four, which we talked about going into the show, even without Chase Young, pretty great set of linemen there. And what we were seeing is they were getting a good pass rush that made uh, Lamar have to step up in the pocket. And uh, when he would step up and then not see something, he would try to run. They had people spying. They were ready for him. Uh, sometimes, you know, two people. And he just wasn't able to make anything happen. He tried to, you know, make a move, but he was uh, dead to rights. And I've been seeing more teams do this. This is not the first time where it seems like they're really trying to make sure that Lamar can't get out of the pocket. That's the key. Like, if he can't flush himself out of the pocket, he's far less dangerous than um, just going up the middle of the field. No, you're absolutely right. I, that 50-yard run aside, uh, Lamar Jackson did not have a good day rushing football. And really, it's been tough going for him when he pulls down to run uh, through the first quarter of this season. Uh, teams have had a whole offseason to, to study this, and you know they have better mitigation plans in place than they did 
last year. So I think the Ravens have to evolve with that. And, you know, I think part of that might be the growing pains of this offense that you can't rely on that as much as you did last year. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how they evolve with that. I know for myself, and maybe this isn't the answer, I would like to see less designed runs for Lamar. I, I don't think that we need them, as we're talking about. We're trying to get more carries to the running backs. I don't think you need to have the design runs as much. And maybe if they take off from that, maybe you see the spying happen a little less. But, yeah, no, I, I think that's a great observation. And, like I said, something that the Ravens are going to have to to counter. Yeah, I will say that this week, you know, there although the pass game wasn't where it needed to be, I think uh, there were notable improvements. I think from the Chiefs game, and I think the the first one you have to talk about is you have to talk about uh, Mark Andrews. So he was actually catching the football this week. Seemingly wasn't allergic to the ball, uh, so that was <laughs> great because yeah, big improvement because when Mark Andrews is hot, like he could be one of the best tight ends in the league, and that's what we saw today. Uh, with two touchdowns, uh, you know, it was all over the field. That one boot uh, that had him go into the back uh, left corner of the end zone was was just a great route by him to kind of stretch the field, and he made a great catch in the corner of the end zone. Uh, it was really, really great to see. But yeah, outside of that, uh, Hollywood Brown, I, I think, also had a fairly decent game, although, you know, again, Lamar just wasn't able to connect to him as often as we would have liked. I mean, if, if they were, you know, if they were connecting as well as they could have, uh, Hollywood could have ended up for almost 200 yards. Uh, even if you include that pass at the end there uh, from RG3, that ended up being picked off. Hollywood was was on pace to have a very, very good game. But yeah, I'm hoping that some of these are, are just like, you know, because these guys didn't have a preseason, because they didn't have as much practice as they expect, this is you know, effectively their preseason. So I'm hoping that, you know, now that we've kind of gotten a quarter of the season under our belts, we finished 3-1, and one, that's pretty good. Uh, for the first quarter, hopefully moving forward, uh, you know, we'll, you know, these guys will have uh, more time and, uh, you know, more experience and, and more chemistry under their belts. So we'll, we'll start to hit on more of these, uh, you know, uh, high impact plays. Yeah. Let's definitely not let that go overshadowed because while we're certainly talking about something the Ravens need to sure up, you know, let's let, let's not let us detract from the fact that the Ravens did take care of business as expected in September. You know, you won the three games that you really had no business losing. Uh, Cleveland, you know, maybe they're good, um, but admittedly the competition they played during their three-game winning streak is suspect. And then Houston uh, just fired Bill O'Brien after an 0-4 start. And Washington is, you know, they've got some pieces in place, but as we talked about with uh, Kevin and Mark, there's there's still some a lot of work to do there. So, you know, you didn't drop any games that were easy wins, and you still lost to the Super Bowl defending Super Bowl champions. But that game is definitely not a gimme. So, <laughs> you know, even with the Ravens not playing their absolute best football, you still exited September pretty much exactly as you wanted, with the exception of being four and zero. Yeah, definitely. One last thing I wanted to talk about before we kind of move on to the defense is how the offensive line had a major shakeup. So Stanley, after kind of sounding like he was going to play, uh, ended up being inactive. And then I saw a tweet 
where uh, they showed Orlando Brown warming up and you noticed he was taking reps as a left tackle. And uh, Twitter was like, oh, is, is he going to be switched? And then sure enough, they came out the first drive and Orlando Brown Jr. was lined up as left tackle and Fluker as the right tackle. I think it's really hard to uh, fault their performances. You know, Orlando Brown did have his uh, false start in the first drive, which was disappointing. But after that, he seemed relatively uh, good in that position. You know, again, giving him the benefit of the doubt, good uh, good defensive line and not his uh, position while in the NFL, though he did play it in college. And then Fluker came in, Lamar gave him props, and I think overall had a pretty good game. I saw one or two plays where I wasn't so sure if that was the best you know, effort or if he missed an assignment, but overall it seemed okay. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they held their own. It's tough if you think about it. You were doing everything on one side of your body, and then at a moment's notice, Coach was like, oh, you got to go to the other side and do everything the mirror opposite. So you don't think about it because guys are the best football players in the world so you think oh of course they can just they can just do that on a dime but it's still very difficult for them to do that for them to go in and you know like you said there was some mistakes for both but overall they played well enough for the Ravens to put up 31 points and for them to not get in the way so uh, I think that was an excellent performance uh, for next man up Absolutely. Yeah. When I, when I heard that news at the beginning of the game, I was like, what I, can you, <laughs> what's going on? Orlando Brown Jr. I mean, he's been uh, right tackle for, you know, a, a good bit. And I mean, we know in, in the past that some of these experiments like with Michael Orr haven't really panned so well with moving him back and back and forth. And so I was a little worried about that. And, you know, with thinking that keeping Orlando on the right side would have kind of been a, a good move from a line continuity perspective, but yeah, I mean, from from what I saw, uh, I'm with you guys. I thought he had uh, a pretty fantastic game, uh, given that news. So, uh, really huge shout out to him and and for Fluker for coming in and 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 really, you know, I I couldn't have expected them to you know to really do that much better than what they did. Can we talk about? I I had this thought. I don't know if anyone else did. Now that they have film on him as left tackle and being decent, is it going to be hard to re-sign him? Are people going to want him to be left tackle for them? And then we're going to have trouble. Well, we were going to have trouble re-signing him anyway. <laughs> I know. I know. But if someone's going to give left tackle money, you know what I mean? Like, that might be, uh, uh, be a big bummer. Hey, that, we put it on film now. Yeah, I mean, it very well could be the case. You know what? I was actually thinking the opposite because after we heard the news about Humphrey getting his extension, I was thinking, huh, well, Stanley didn't get his, and I know that he's coming up first. I mean, Humphrey still technically has two years left on his rookie deal before this thing even kicks in right and so i was like huh well if we didn't give stanley the money i wonder if we're having trouble uh working out a contract with him if orlando brown comes in and plays well at left tackle are we letting stanley walk i know it's a little early for that but like that's kind of what i thought (laughs) god that'd be the biggest comp pick ever (laughs) 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 oh i don't like the sounds of that but i understand what you're saying is that a good transition to the defensive side since you brought up Humphrey? Yeah, let's talk about Money Marlowe. Yeah, well, since you guys uh, brought up Humphrey, I guess that's a good transition to the defense. And wow, what a great place to start. I mean, Marlon, he got paid, shirt up for the next couple of seasons. And he didn't play like a guy who's still after his money on Sunday. I mean, he had forced that fumble, was getting tight coverage on a lot of other pass plays. 
he definitely had one of the best performances of anyone on the field on Sunday's game from the defensive standpoint for the Ravens. Hey, man, Money Marlowe. I, I love the way he bounced back. The play before, I jotted down, he took a bad angle, right? Gibson's too fast. And uh, let up some yards there. Comes back, gets the strip. Ah, oh, I love seeing that resilience. I love seeing that bounce back. And uh, yeah, he's a special player. I ordered my jersey uh, before the game. And I'm, I'm glad to see that he's locked up. I'm still a little sad, a little, a little salty that he lost 29 to that fool. And because uh, I think it's a cooler number, but I'll live with 44. I'm excited to wear you and rep you, man. You're a great player. And maybe he brings 29 back next next season. And then he got to buy. Nah, he said one. he wasn't. He said he wasn't. Uh, I, 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 I yeah, he said I'm not going back to 29. I hope he doesn't now. I mean, I just I just inked it. All right, like this is this is it. Now that I bought the jersey, <laughs> he can't move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. know. It was a little awkward last season, but now it's kind of grown on me, and I want to. I don't want to have to go back. You know, the longer he keeps 44, the you know, the less people remember him at 29. Yeah, I agree. It, it has grown on me more than it and then originally. At first, I was like, ah, come on. <laughs> it's like a fullback number. <laughs> but yeah, my initial reactions to the defense, one, I mean, obviously, uh, I, I think they did a lot better than they did against Chiefs. So huge shout out to those guys for that. A couple other initial reactions I think I have from watching the game. You know, I know we talked about it in the preview episode and, and Kevin and Mark were both like, Antonio Gibson, uh, potential superstar. I didn't realize it until this game. Holy crap, that guy is good. I mean, he may have been bottled up a little bit on some of these inside runs, but he did some huge amount of damage on the outside and in the passing game. I mean, that guy is just so quick, was able to avoid blockers. Um, yeah, an absolute thorn in in, in the side of the Ravens. Um, fortunately, uh, they were able to contain him fairly well. But um, I, I got to be honest, yeah, if we had to play him again, I'd be, I'd be a little scared for sure uh, to play him again. Uh, definitely was uh, definitely was surprised and definitely was as advertised, if not more. Yeah, I think Washington did a really good job of setting up both Gibson and McLaurin on the screen. Like, they ran the screen excellently yesterday. It was by far the most effective thing they did on offense, which, as we can remember from last year, Ravens defense last year, that was a struggle in defending the screen, and it looks like it might still be a problem this year as well. But it was it was a combination of two things. It was the Washington set up those plays very well. They had their blockers in place. But like you just said, Chris, uh, Gibson and Lauren are very fast players. And, yeah, you know, they're not just fast. They're shifty as well. They know how to, to make their way through a crowd and get the yak yards. And... You know, with a with a slightly better quarterback than than Haskins, the Washington could have really done some damage with those players. You're sure right. We left some points on the table, and it was only okay because Washington also left points. I remember, man, McLaurin. <laughs> oh, Haskins is just not good. <laughs> the assessment's correct. He's not good. Yeah. Maybe he'll get there. Uh, you know, we saw Josh Allen go from uh, obviously not as bad. But having some serious flaws to just really dominating this year, I'm I'm curious to watch a little bit more of his games. And man, he's bad. Yeah, he missed he missed McLaren wide open, and um, <laughs> and I gotta talk about the disrespect. I, I I messaged it in the group. Unbelievable. You have Antonio Gibson get you all the way down to the one yard line, and then they bring in that scrub should be out of the NFL, Peyton Barber, can't do nothing. 
gets stuffed, I said, thank you. They bring in Gibson. They do a little mixed direction. He gets a touchdown. I'm like, that's deserved. It's deserved. It's unbelievable. Not just from a fantasy perspective, but just from like, this guy's a young kid. He's a a star on your team and you're going to just take him out and let him get a touchdown vultured. It's ridiculous. I, I I just think that's bad coaching. Like, I would never do that to one of my players. I'd be like, yeah, man, you better go get that touchdown. You know, <laughs> like, there's no way you think in, in the world that paying Barber is your best chance to get that touchdown. Oh, man. Well, going back to that to that stuff, you didn't realize how that happened, right? You saw Patrick Queen just just blitz through the line and, and knocked Peyton Barber back with, with just his right arm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that was just like, Come on, Peyton Barber. Like that was that's it shouldn't be that easy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Queen though. That was a great transition. This guy, his athleticism is so obvious. He's all over the field. He's super fast. I love the way he runs down players. Like one time Gibson was up to speed and he ran him down and, and made him go out of the uh you know, out of bounds. I was like, wow, like <laughs> he's quick. And, you know, I, I know that Ken McCusick gave him a hard time and and was pointing out, I think very smartly, I never actually thought to do this uh, just in my analysis, but he pointed out, look at the body language of other of other players because sometimes it's hard to tell what the exact assignments are. And that's a good way of telling. And, and there's definitely a couple times that he outlines in his article where Queen must have been out of position, not done the right thing. But like we said, he had so many splash plays. I think he had three plays for a loss and uh, just disruptive. He, he was the one who came in and clocked the player when uh, Marlon got the strip, right? Like he was, a, he was part of that. He made it so that uh, you know Marlon could keep going for the strip while, like you know, he, he he finished off the tackle. Like the guy was all over the field. I'm excited for him. I got Rachel the jersey. My requests were answered. The women's cut is now available in the NFL shop, and uh, yeah, like I'm excited for him. Yeah, I I am too. I I know Queen was definitely picked on in the Chiefs game, but. You know the things that really stand out to me are, are just the athleticism, the uh, the speed, and just like the relentlessness of just you know wh- when you do see him make a play, or when you see him uh, getting close to make a play, like you can can see the the effort I think pop off on the screen. Super high lot. motor, yeah, yeah, it's extremely high motor, and it's just it's one of those things where we haven't had a player like that in a, in a while. Um, where it's just it's very notable. It's just very different from some of the players that we've had a linebacker before. Now, that's not to say that Queen is like the best linebacker at this point in his career. He's definitely not. He's a lot of places to grow. But I would rather have a linebacker who is coming in with like ten tackles a game and may still have you know uh, additional work to do on coverage or additional work to uh, make splash plays or something like that. I would much rather have a player who can make those tackles and then has all this additional room to grow on top of that, because that just tells you like his ceiling is probably super, super high, <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, yeah, he's, he, he's definitely got some work to do. I I've noticed that the, the last two weeks in particular, I think Wink has been putting in Chris board a little bit more on some of these passing plays, mm-hmm. um, even rotating Harrison sometimes as well. And so, you know, I think that is, is just to, you know, board has a little bit more experience he's been in the nfl a little bit longer he may be able to contribute on some of those plays it's also an opportunity for queen to take a step back and look at the film after and be like okay well if i was in this position like this is how i would have played it and um you know i'm i'm totally cool with that moving forward is you know as long as it's it's there to help in his development i think he's going to be there and I, i'm i'm very very excited to continue to see watching him grow 
Yeah, you know, the old adage always says you can coach uh, a player, but you can't coach athleticism. And Queen's got that already. You know, I think when you look at him right now, he's so athletic. And I think some of the pro- one of the problems you sometimes have with those guys is they've gone through high school and they've gone through Division One college, and they're just such so much more athletic than the competition that they don't always have to focus so much on fundamentals and you know being one hundred percent within the scheme as a guy who is less athletic and needs to rely on that to to be successful at that level. That you know, you can, they develop some bad habits because you know they can, they can get away with it at that level. They don't they don't need to. I'm not saying that that's that that's what Queen is, but I think that it's a possibility that he has fallen into some of those bad habits over the years, and now he's at a level where yeah, that, that athleticism is still there, but against guys who really know how to play the game and have really high football IQs, they're going to know how to exploit that and. I think there's plenty of time for Queen to uh, to really get coached up and and become a student of the game and just you know be this super athletic linebacker that can be the the anchor of, of this defense. Um, but I think it's going to take time for the same reason that we talked about with Dobbins and this whole this whole rookie draft class. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point, Peter. I mean, the the thing I'm most looking forward to with with him getting coached up to is I know he he definitely seems to idolize Ray a lot, and it, it seems like the two of them have talked. If Ray could just like rub off some of that film study that he had, oh my God, that would be amazing. That would just be absolutely perfect. That would really take Queen to the next level. Yeah, he's got all the tools. I'm super excited, like you said, to get see him get coached up. Great points all around. Yeah, th- this guy he might earn that contract. Right, like if he if if he's this good and that raw, and puts it together in the next two years, three years, I think the Ravens look at their checkbook. They try to figure it out because we we saw what it does when you had Ray Lewis. Like we saw what, what that can mean for a defense, and I'm I'm starting to get excited. I I really am. So I, I'm eating my words yet again. DeCosta is good at this. DeCosta makes me eat my words nonstop, and uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm super excited to see how Queen develops. I wanted to talk about Anthony Averett. Yeah, sucks that we lost Tavon Young, guys. He's just not... He had like one or two good plays that I took note of, but mostly just out of position getting picked on. And it's disappointing. I kind of wish like Maurice Kennedy was still around. I know you could point to him and say that he had bad, bad games too. I just... I don't know. What do you guys think about Averett? Um... I didn't think he was awful yes yesterday. <laughs> I I thought I thought he had a decent game. I mean, I, I'm not going to say it was his best game in his career. I didn't look at it that closely, but all things considered, I thought he played he played somewhat tight coverage. He covered McLaurin a, a few times. I yeah. thought he did fine. Um, you know, I think there was only one or two plays. I think that he got beat pretty badly, at least in the passing game when he was targeted. But, I mean, overall, I, I think I've seen a lot worse from Averitt, so I'm not going to say that this was one of his worst games. Now, whoever that scrub who came in at the end of the game that led up that <laughs> that big throw to McLaurin at the end, uh, one of the one of our practice squad guys, I don't remember, it was number 31. We haven't seen him play on, on the field before because he's been on the practice squad. That was a play that, you know, if that were Averitt last year, I would have been like, oh, yeah, okay, that's that's normal. But, but no, that was actually another guy. 
I think it's it's definitely going to be one of those things that it's just going to have to be a, continue to be a concern. I think if if Averett does make a, a tiny step forward or even a big step forward, that's that's going to be super helpful for this defense. But but still, it's Jimmy Smith is is not covering as many guys on the outside as he used to. He's playing a lot of man coverage against tight ends. He's playing sort of that strong safety role uh, in the packages that warrant it. And so, yeah, really, that's only three corners, maybe three and a half corners if you count Jimmy for half the plays. We really don't have anybody behind them. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see if DeCosta makes a move or, you know, maybe we have those guys on the practice squad. But I would be more concerned about some of the guys behind Averitt than I would about him at this point with the roster. Yeah, I agree. I think also you're looking at Averitt and, I mean, the rest of the secondary, I think, is shaping up exactly how you'd want it to. Peter struggled against Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is one of the fastest, one of the, you know, best route-running footwork receivers in this league. I'm not going to write off Peters just because he didn't shut out Tyreek Hill. Humphrey, we've talked about how he's doing. Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott, that safety combo so far, has been as good as you could ask for. So... I think as long as those guys continue to do what they do and continue building chemistry as it goes on, the back end of the defense looks very good. Yeah, that's a great point, Peter. I, I think the, the chemistry and the communication are, are things that there's definitely area for improvement on. Clark and Humphrey and Peters have obviously, I mean, they played together before uh, Jimmy Smith as well. Like, you know, they have some of that, but they're, you know, with Elliot in particular, I know there's been a few plays that, you know, maybe he's been out of position on or hasn't played exactly the way, you know, maybe some of the other guys would have expected. And so, you know, with that comes, you know, game experience, you know, he'll need that to be able to, you know, improve on some of those communication and, and chemistry aspects. Another guy I do want us to get to, because I don't think we've talked about this guy enough as the season has started, probably because he's really just been as advertised as Calais Campbell. Ah, yeah. This guy is coming here as a, a free agent and, you know, was expected him to be an absolute professional, just step in, be a leader for this defense and, you know, take on offensive linemen, free up the linebackers and just be a run stopper in the pass game. And, I think the reason we haven't talked too much about him is because he's done all that exactly as expected, but he's also just been an excellent pass deflector, second in the league in deflecting passes with five, including one that he got on Sunday. He is absurd, dude. Like, I had no idea he was going to come in and have these pass deflections. Maybe that's something I should have known with his 6'8 frame and maybe his previous film. I didn't know. And this guy... He just keeps doing it. And every time it's exciting, I hope he pulls one down. You know, like it's going to happen for sure. And I, I want to point this out. This is the best thing about Calais Campbell. He is the definition. Now, granted, again, you can't just, uh, you know, be born with uh, the six foot eight frame, the huge arms. But he's so incredibly dedicated to his role. I think the reason that this guy gets all these plays is because he's committed to being the part of the defense that he's supposed to be playing his role, the opportunities will come and he, and he makes the most of any chance he gets because he's, uh, he's so fundamental. And I, I think all the young players on this team has something to learn from Clayus Campbell because he's so disciplined. That's my biggest takeaway. Despite the splash plays, it's the discipline. That's just, ah, uh, I'm so glad he's a Raven. 
let's get this guy a ring. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's kind of almost the opposite problem with Queen, right? I mean, Queen is like, you know, he wants to make that play, but he's overextending. He's getting out of position. But yeah, just like you said with Campbell, it's just no matter what. And, you know, and Wink has definitely taken advantage of that, of calling, you know, a number of blitzes where, you know, Calais doesn't have to rest the passer, right? He can he can drop back into coverage and he can use that 6-8 frame to get into passing lanes and disrupt them. And a lot of these pass deflections have been exactly on those, you know, blitzes. And yeah, like you said, Alec, um, I'm totally in agreement with that. I think he's he's done a really great job. And, you know, I, I think maybe the, the only thing that, you know, ha- you know, hasn't been expected, but I, I don't really blame this on him. I, I think this is, you know, just kind of with the whole position group and, and maybe some of the, the chemistry that needs to develop here. But there just hasn't been as much success in, in the uh, pass rush department overall. You know, but I will say with exception of this weekend, uh, our guy Matt Judon, he, he's still around, guys. Uh, he actually showed up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I say that I say that in jest of you know he he, uh, he got two sacks uh, this game against Washington and um, it's great to see you know we were we're missing that the first couple of weeks and you know it's it's finally uh, uh, overdue I think for him to you know see the stat sheet and so we're hoping that with you know with more chemistry with these guys with the Campbell with Judon with Wolf with Williams uh, Jihad Ward and even some of the edge rushers that you know these sacks are, you know, continuing to develop because that's really the the key thing I think that's missing for me. Campbell has had a ton of sacks in his career and we expected some of that to come over. Even even though with him getting up there in age, you know, you can't rely on him getting 15, 16 sacks. He's not going to, you know, it's very, very unlikely for him to do. But you did expect for him because he was so disciplined, because he's such a vet to help, you know, open things, things up for the other guys. And for the first couple of weeks, we just hadn't seen that from the other guys. And so, you know, you're hoping that, you know, eventually, you know, it's going to happen a little bit more and a little bit more. Hopefully we saw a little bit of that on Sunday. I have a couple things I want to say about Judon. I'm glad he finally got on the stat sheet for sure. Don't get me wrong. He's known for his slow starts. Last year was the exception, right? Last year was also the breakout where he had three sacks in the first three games or a sack in each of the first three games. The uh, other previous seasons, he didn't get the first sack until game four, game five, game three, I think. Like like I said, he, he had a delayed start. The thing I'm worried about, and I need to see him you know, produce next week uh, and, and weeks to follow, is is he only going to come against bad teams, right? We, we just said the Washington football team, not great. I, I want to see these sacks come against some higher quality opponents because sacks certainly do come in bunches and... Um, that's my only concern. So my my glass is, is filling when it comes to Judon. I'm glad to see him warming up, but I, I definitely want to bring those points up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I know um, you'd have to look back at his career, but I, I believe he's he's also been uh, kind of a player, too, that he gets sacks and bunches. So I, I believe it was the Tennessee game in 2018, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think he had three or four sacks that game. And there were some other games he would get like two sacks or three sacks. He'd be a monster, like for one or two games in the season. And then for most of the other games, it was like, okay, relatively quiet, maybe a sack here or there. And eventually the total at the end of the season looked really good. But but yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the quality of the opponent, but I think your point's noted, Alec, in that, you know, you need to see consistent success from Judon. And, you know, obviously first three games, haven't seen it. Uh hopefully starting to turn a corner and 
we'll see them come over the next couple of weeks. So yeah, let's talk about the special teams before we wrap up the show. Let's we gotta talk about it. Seven for seven, clutch cook to Boykin. <laughs> I love the way that uh, Lamar talked about him. That's me. That's me. I'm trying to get what he had. <laughs> yeah, man, I mean, he's the, the most accurate passer in NFL history. He qualifies now. <laughs> he can never pass again. Well, he can if he goes eight for eight. Which he will. Which, I mean, yeah, with a record of seven for seven. I mean, he's already on a good start. No, that <laughs> that was a great play. Um you know, again, you know, it's a little unfortunate that it had to come to that because you're expecting the offense having set records last year for being so great to not have to rely to such trickery to be able to continue drives. But, uh, I mean, again, you know, we've talked about this even with Tucker, with Cook. It's like they're just so good. They're, you know, when they're sparingly used, it doesn't matter. They're practicing like heck. They have all this experience and, and with, so that when their number is called, they're going to perform at the highest level. And yeah, with Cook, I mean, that was just a great play, a great throw by him. Uh, Boykin got the separation on that play. I thought the funniest thing about that was just the announcer was like, you know, oh, Baltimore is uh, known for their, you know, special teams coach. They might call a fake here. And then he's like, oh, wait, here it is. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was a perfect place to do it, you know, right at the middle of the field. So you're not giving up too much field of position. Good catch by Boykin right at the, um, Right at the first down marker, he does the button hook, catches the ball, and rolls upfield for a couple more yards. Just textbook. Good execution. I also want to talk about DuVernay. You know, we talk about his kickoff returns. His kickoff coverage was pretty impressive. He was just screaming down the field. Absolutely screaming down it. And when the Washington football team player caught the ball, he was already at the 20-yard line. <laughs> he had him almost dead to rights, you know, at that moment. And uh, I think it you know, completely cut off that lane and was able to make the uh, other players around him uh, get the tackle and, and get a nice stop. Yeah, I mean, you love this guy's motor. Like you said, he's not getting a huge look on the offense right now, but the plays that he does have, uh, he's making the most of them. Love the effort of a guy who, you know, probably deserves a bigger role on the team right now based on what his skills are, but... You know, still has to play special teams. He's doing, he's doing whatever the coaches ask of him. And I think that's a great sign for this guy's future whenever, you know, he's uh, a little more polished and the coaches are willing to trust him with a bigger share of the offense. I think that, you know, the early returns on DuVernay are looking very good. So for the MVP segment, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the guy I just bought the jersey for. Money Marlowe. Congratulations on your contract. Looking forward to repping your jersey. And I just want to point out, guys, I decided this year I'm not doing that whole, like, oh, I switch jerseys whenever we lose. I'm just going to wear whatever side of the ball I want to root for. <laughs> Offense or defense. That's my uh, my new flow. There you go. Hey, that's good. You, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I try not to uh, to be too superstitious on, on football games. Although my wife has noticed, she's like, the last game or so, she's like, huh, well, you aren't wearing your jersey. Why is that? Don't you have to wear that? I'm just like, oh, I, I can wear what I want, babe. It's it's okay. <laughs> For my MVP, I'm actually going to give it to Orlando Brown. Uh, look, man, overall, I, again, I, I was pretty shocked with the news to to see him switch to left tackle. Would have definitely expected Fluger to take over there. But, you know, for me to, to seamlessly go from right to left and have a fairly good game uh, at that position, 
I, I just want to give a shout out to Orlando. The you know it's it's definitely noted. We've been talking a lot about these guys like Queen and Duvernay about how we you know like their willingness to be able to do whatever the coaches want them to do and and to take advantage of those opportunities. You know I feel like Brown also deserves a shout out of doing the same thing. So good job, buddy. Both two great picks. Both the guys I, I was looking to pick. So uh, I think for mine, you know, I would argue that I think both Mark Andrews and Calais Campbell had better games than this guy, but I'm not going to give it to either of them because, you know, those guys are have a few more seasons under them, Campbell definitely in particular. And, you know, you expect them to have those big games against the not as good opponents. So I'm going to give my MVP to Hollywood Brown. I think we're still expecting more from him, but he had a bounce back game after just being out of sync with Lamar against Kansas City. I still think he should have he had a touchdown on that play where he was stopped at basically the one inch line. And it's not because I finished four points out of the money on the DFS card where I played in. I actually think he got in. But, you know, he's he's looking good against his lesser opponents. Uh, I think that the big game moments will come and good game for Hollywood Brown on Sunday. With that, we're going to end Ravens recap for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're super excited to tell you we've got a guy. We're about to actually record the show now with the Cincinnati FM radio. He's going to be on and he's going to help us uh, break down the Bengals game. So make sure you download that episode. Give us a like wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Ravens underscore recap. We'll be back later in the week, guys.